You're listening to Soundplay, a radio show that features audio work produced by people in the Salem State community. We're your hosts. I'm Tanya Rodrigue, a professor in the English department. I'm Justin Noon, an English student here at SSU. Listen to those words coming from those SSU students all day. Soundplay. <laughs> Soundplay. Yeah, trademark. Trademark. Soundplay. Hey, guys. First and foremost, I hope everyone who is listening is safe and well. Normally, around this time of the semester, we'd expect to give you guys episodes filled with mostly featured stories from Professor Rodrigue's audio classes. But as the rest of the world has had to make swift adjustments, we have as well. It would be kind of ridiculous for us not to address the current state of the world. So this is the first of three episodes featuring works inspired by what's going on. Then after, we'll get right back on track with the featured stories once again. However, we feel now is the most important time to display pieces that hopefully inform or capture some of what you guys may be feeling. Our first story is from Connor McGinnis, who is a sophomore English major here at Salem State. He interviewed his mom, who happens to be a doctor. Hopefully you guys find this informative. Without further ado, here's Connor having a conversation with his mom. Welcome to an exclusive coronavirus international time capsule presenting Dr. Christine McGinnis, healthcare physician, internal medicine professional, and wonderful mother. Dr. McGinnis is here to talk to us a bit about the front lines in the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. So my first question is, what is it like to look after a coronavirus patient? Well, uh, it's something that it's difficult on many levels. I think the hardest thing is, from a physical standpoint, you have to put on a lot of things just to go in the room safely. So you have to put on a hat, goggles, you have to put on a gown, you have to put on gloves, you have to put on, of course, a very heavy mask. Um, so that's just to enter the room. And then try to talk to the patient through all those things. And, you know, having the patient think you're basically an alien from another planet. <laughs> And then, so you, that's and then you have to, they have to talk to their children through like iPads. Well, stuff. that's the second part that's very hard. So, unfortunately, for these patients, a lot of whom are old, uh, it's very isolating. So, they don't see their families. Um, we try our best to bring in iPads so they can FaceTime their loved ones, but it's sort of new technology. So, they don't always get what's happening. Like, it's like kind of like a voice is talking to them, and they don't know it's actually their kids from the iPad. And, um, it's very hard because they're really scared, they're really lonely, and they don't have any family with them um, to help. And so they really, they don't even realize sometimes that the, there is this virus. They think that their family's basically abandoned them. So it's it's mostly older people. A lot. There are some young people. I found that the older people, um, that you know, it's hard on the level of they're isolated and you feel bad and you sort of put yourself in their position and think, boy, what if I was sick and my kids couldn't visit me? I've had patients, um, unfortunately, get very sick and, you know, they're going to pass and we're putting the iPad to them so they can say their last goodbyes to their family. And I had one patient that, um, a sweet lady who'd been sort of doing poorly. Her sons were very devoted, checking in on her. And she was writing them a letter, like with all the last bit of her strength, sort of her goodbye letter, um, essentially saying how proud she was of them and, and how much she would miss them. And, it's, you know, we have the mask on, but I like I tear up and I'm getting my tears in the mask. It's so the mask yeah. is getting all sweaty and like it's kind of feeling like it's going to fall off. 
So those are one set of patients, the older patients, and then we have some very young patients who really seem to get sick very quickly. So they go from being a little sick to very sick to being ready to be put on a ventilator. How long does that take? It, it can take, you know, it, it seems like it takes a couple of days. You go in there, you, you, you feel kind of crummy, like you have a bad flu, achy, ugh, fever, not well. And then all of a sudden you can't breathe. And then all of a sudden you really can't breathe. They try to put people on their belly because that seems to help with the lungs. But a lot of people don't like, you know, being sleeping on their belly or being put on their belly. They just, they're not used to that position. So that makes them anxious. And the same thing, they don't have their kids there. They don't have their wife or their husband there. So it's, at any age, it's very scary. It's very isolating. And you just feel like you're alone. And I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed across the ages, no matter how old, the people feel very alone. And I think we try our best to give the human side, to hold their hands, even beneath all the gowns and gloves, to try to talk to them like we would talk to our brother or you know our dad or our grandfather and um, try to be support, supporting them through this horrible, horrible thing they're going through. So, like, so would you say half of it is almost the isolation and kind of the quarantine you have to go through when there's like an infectious disease like that? Absolutely. I mean, I, I work at the hospital, but I also work at a nursing home and they're completely quarantined. Um, and a lot of them have memory problems and they just, they feel like their family just left them. They don't understand that they can't go in um, and they're really scared and they just have to stay in their rooms. It's, you know, it's very sad. And I think really they're very anxious too. Um, so it's really hit our older patients a lot, but I think, like I said, pretty much across the board, it's really um, lonely, lonely and scary. And I, I can't even imagine being a family member, how horrible it is to not want, be there for your you know, parent or your kids or your brother or sister when they need you because you just can't. You can't go in. Not allowed at this uh, point. Right. So, I mean, I think as a family member, I think that must be very hard to like and see your mom dying and you can't hold her hand. I just, I don't know. Sometimes there's just no words like to sort of describe that. So when did you guys, you know, you and all the doctors and all the professionals, when did you guys realize that the coronavirus would be more, more of a threat in the United States versus like, oh, just a thing that was happening in other countries. Yeah, I think our world is really much more global than we all realize. Um, I think now the new normal is things that start one part of the world will come to you know other parts of the world pretty quickly. We kind of got slightly caught off guard in the United States. Um, we're such a marvelous country in so many ways, but for some reason we didn't really see this coming. I don't think we appreciated the gravity of it and still, even now, we don't, in some places, have the testing capability we should. So that way we can sort of understand how to stop these outbreaks. Um, you know, once we all start to get back to our lives, the coronavirus is still here. So we have to understand how we can prevent this or how we can cluster if people are being affected, how we can uh, you know, separate them from other people so the whole community doesn't get ill. Yeah, I think um, this is an evolving thing. We're learning as we go, and I think that really creates anxiety in, understandably, you know, our patients, but also anxiety in we as providers because we don't know what to tell them sometimes, and sometimes the answer changes depending on the day. So today's May 2nd. How, how are we, like, do you guys have the right amount of testing kits, masks, and all that at this point? No. Still <laughs> no, no, we don't. Um, 
So, you know, I'm very fortunate. I work for UMass, which tends to has adequate um, what they call pers PPE or personal protection equipment. Uh, so we have masks, we have gowns, um, but just some of our colleagues in other hospitals, I hear horror stories where people are wearing raincoats to work, ponchos, garbage bags. And wow. it's just, it just, it sometimes blows my mind that in the United States in 2020, we can't get people gowns who are actually taking care of people, you know, and putting their lives in line. We can't protect them. It just, it just blows my mind that that still is a problem. Um, it's, it's scary. I mean, it, you get, it's just. I, don't, I still don't understand why, why we don't have the things we need. And no one's really been able to explain it to me, um, to my satisfaction. You know, I can't imagine, too, if, like, if the virus was something that was way more deadly, you know, with all this lack of preparedness, how we would even be able to react. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is very infectious. Uh, I think many more people have it than we realize. So I think the death rate will actually be slightly less than we think, but the prevalence, meaning how many people actually have it, will be much greater. I, because it's such a highly infectious disease. Um, we, I just heard about just today that one of the local Walmarts in Worcester, 200 employees uh, had it. I, Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> so so you can, they closed it. Wow. As you can imagine, they closed it. But you can imagine if they don't know it, how they're spreading that. So until we get on top of this and make sure we understand who has it and, and you know isolate them, this is never going to actually get contained. So I didn't even know that. So basically, just that two-week wait period just kills it because nobody knows they have, and they go out and they touch stuff. Other people touch it. I think we've all been saying, and I, I really believe this, I think we have to assume that everybody we know has it. We should always wear a mask. We should always take precautions. We should always wash our hands. Just assume that whoever you're dealing with has it, and then you know act accordingly. And I think that's sort of our only hope to sort of make sure that we don't get infected as well. It's pretty easy to pass this on you know, without knowing. So how much longer, by your predictions, do you think that everyone would have to stay put before all this like starts to at least, maybe not disappear, but start to really go down? I think um, it's going to get a little better. There's going to be a completely new normal. I think everybody's going to be wearing a mask for the foreseeable future. For a while? Until there's a vaccine really? or until there's some sort of treatment. Um, they're working on both, but those things take time. And we have to make sure that they're both safe so we don't hurt people, you know, in the name of trying to help them. Uh, so unfortunately, the new normal is going to be social distancing, mask wearing. Um, probably people are not, no more people, no more people waiting in the waiting rooms at hospitals. Um, we're probably going to have to call ahead to get your appointment and they'll call you when your appointment is, uh, you know, your time for your appointment. And you'll come up and then you'll leave. So really those practices for quite some time, I mean, really... Until we have really a safe vaccine, you know, and a kind of like the flu, a viable treatment, this is really going to become a problem. We're all fearful that in the fall, when it is, the, you know, late fall, when it is flu season, what is it going to be like if mm. we haven't really done what we need to do with the coronavirus? And you're there's gonna a, have there's a timer on it then. A little bit. A little bit. Only because I think we're just going to have a devastating winter if we, right. if we have two now severe viral illnesses that we really can't treat, you know to our satisfaction or prevent people who die from the flu every year. And if we add the coronavirus, that's a lot of people dying. And it's going to be hard to just completely eliminate coronavirus just because it's so easy to spread. So you don't even, if it's on like a bag of, you know, tomatoes at Walmart, some one person touches it, next thing you know, his whole family has it, and then they go yeah. out because it's two weeks. Right. So by the time you figure out that you have it, you've already given it to 100 people. Yeah. 
And I think some people have this false sense. I've seen a lot of people with gloves and people don't realize that you have to be careful with gloves. So that may protect you, but then you're touching, you know, your, the grocery. Yeah. You're you know, still the, spreading it around. Exactly. The apples. It's and just rubber. You're grabbing, it's, exactly. Yeah. You're grabbing like, Latex. you know, the carriage and you're pushing that and you're just spreading it all around. So you just spread it to 10 different places because you've had gloves. Well, that's nice for you, but you've probably gotten 10 people sick. So I think mm. people don't quite have a good understanding of what that means yet. Um, and I think some people are kind of brazen. They're young. They're like, well, you know, I'm not going to get it. But, you know, they have parents, they have grandparents. Um, you know, I think sometimes you have to think of the community at large and not just ourselves necessarily. So do you have a message for those people who are trying to downplay the social distancing and severity of, you know, the, the, uh, the coronavirus? Yeah, everything? I, yes, I think they're being ridiculous. I think they're... They're being selfish and very self-centered and not looking at the big picture. Um, you know, it stinks. No one wants to do it. I don't want to do it. I want to go back to the gym, too. I'm going to do the things I could do six months ago. I'm going to go on vacation. But we have to be smart about this. If we don't do the things we need to do now, this will never go away. This will only get worse and more people will die. And I personally don't want to live with that. I can't live with that on my conscience. So I'm going to do the right thing. And I'd like to believe that most people will do the right thing. So this might be a little a little off, but when are the gyms? When do you think the, the gyms are going to open? Because so I want to I want to get I want to get ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you know I think maybe in the month or so, but I think it's going to be kind of a staggered thing where you only can have so many people in the gym. Mm. They have to stay apart. Um, there's going to be vigorous cleaning. Like, I'm you sure. Know, yeah, have on like a, a cleaner on, on duty or something. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's going to be all kinds of rules and regulations. And if you break them, I think you're going to be asked not to be a member of the gym. So I think people are really going to be strict in their enforcement of it for everybody's good. But I, I'm with you. I miss the gym, too. It's just not the same. But the gym is, like, definitely a Oh, the gym ground. is, yeah. A gym in the Walmart. Like, yeah. those are probably the worst worst couple mm -hmm. places right there. Wow. And, and the same thing with a hairdresser. Like, things you just are used to. People are not one at a time. They're going to have to go in and really, you know, not contact other people restaurants are probably going to everybody's going to be really spread out i don't even know when you'll have a sports event i, I don't think really oh and concerts they, 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 they've delayed all concerts and like comedy shows stuff like that till next year 2021 yeah, yeah. that's 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 crazy I like i wonder how all of the you know the separation and isolating like affects everybody like on a, on a conscious mental level you know what i mean oh i don't think i think human beings you know <laughs> A little isolation, a little, you know, quiet time is good, but this is ridiculous. I think people, it really is a mm -hmm. stressor. It really does make people feel anxious. I think it affects their mental health in a, unfortunately, a, a not a wonderful way. And I think we need each other. And I think we're seeing that people really miss just the little things of being able to, you know, just talk to people, just hang okay. out with people and have a coffee with someone. That's like, oh my gosh, that you never thought that would be a big deal, but it's a big deal. And I'm, mm -hmm. I, I, for one, I'm so sick of Zoom meetings. I, I, can't, oh, yeah. I can't stand it. I really, it's too much. I love Zoom. <laughs> Zoom is everywhere, but I really don't like it at all. Zoom is the new, you know, Zoom is the new get together. You all get together in Zoom. You, you talk a little bit and you go to sleep, close the laptop. It's yeah. just, that's going to be the new normal for a while now, I guess. It's better than nothing, but it's not the same as, mm -hmm. you know, talking to someone no. in person. Because also, you know, with the, with the devices, you don't get that, you don't get that body language, yeah. that direct feedback, you know? And even yeah. I, as someone who isn't, you know, the most extroverted person, kind of miss talking to people, you know what I'm saying? Just seeing their faces. Right. And every once in a while, it's nice to give somebody a hug. 
my God. Right, and I've been looking at like these blue screens all day, and my eyes, I'll wake up with a headache, and I, and I can't see for a couple of minutes. So we had to get these glasses that would filter out the blue light. You guys do look both very handsome yes, in the glasses. Yes, we do. You look very intelligent. Yeah. So, yeah. Any any um, suggestions for, you know, how just little things you can do to just make sure you're staying clean, make sure you're not... Um, Make sure you're being careful and cautious, especially when you're when you go out and you go to Walmart yeah. and you grab your apples and your pears. Just little things like, you know, obviously we talk about gloves and how those don't really work, but masks. Masks for those sure. Those are good. Masks are good. You should. They really. There's no reason to not wear a mask. Everybody should be wearing a mask. Everybody should be washing their hands all the time. Happy birthday twice, right? Yes, exactly. And um, and I think you should be washing your fruit. I mean, these things are not rocket science. I'm sure that everybody sort of gets that, but it's amazing how you kind of forget. After the tenth time, you're like, oh, I can really wash my hands. No, you should wash your hands. Um, and I think, like I said, you should make sure that if you are sick, stay home. You don't need to go to work. You don't need to go to Walmart if you're sick. Stay home. If you if you are positive, do what you're supposed to do. Stay away from people for two weeks. It's two weeks. It, I know it's hard, but maybe you'll save a bunch of people's lives. You know, I think that's worth it <laughs> for your two weeks of just chilling at home. So, I think you know, simple rules. We're all in it together. This will get better. I mean, you know, it's just going to take some time, and I know people are sick of it, but if we if we rush back too quickly, we're just going to have to relive this again, and maybe it'll be worse the second time wow. around. So you think if we if we underestimate how, you know, how, like coronavirus can stay on, a, on an object for, what is it, nine days? Yeah, well, depending yep, on the surface, yeah. So if we underestimate how, you know, quickly we can get back into society, maybe it'll get worse the second time and even be more, because now we'll have, like, just getting back together and right. with all the people who already have it now you know it just spreads like wildfire well that exactly and i think you just have another outbreak and you'll just instead mm -hmm. of going forward you'll take two steps back and i just think psychologically people want to slowly get back to their lives so even if it's move on from it instead of exactly. being like having that little fear in your head like maybe right. if i touch this guardrail i'm like a coronavirus you know right. i don't want to have that when i go outside so i i'd be more willing to wait until you know we have right. It's, I, mean, I still wash my hands even, you know, I'm still washing my hands and taking those precautions. But. Right, right. In the hospital, every second, every second I'm in the hospital, I have a mask, one type or another of a mask on all the time, 24-7, every second I'm there. And I, I probably wash my hands, I don't know, close to 100 times a day, and I'm wearing gloves. And, you know, yeah. And so it's a lot. Um, and, but you have to, that's what we have to do. And, you know, I must, it feels like I take on and off this personal protective equipment every you know every few minutes on and then off and then on and off but again that's that's what we have to do to stay safe and keep our patients safe and keep our society healthy and getting recuperating and getting back to normal i know it's hard it's hard not to be able to work it's hard not to be able to hang out with your friends but you, know, you just have to do it you have to do it so what do you think this will how do you think this will impact the medical field you know profession community so i know it took you guys off guard so what do you think are there any plans to like, you know, change the way you do things or change like little steps? I don't know, steps forward maybe and trying to like, you know, cause the whole mask thing, if that, if there was a bigger, if there was a bigger disease or something that really killed people fast and we didn't have enough stuff, it could have been yeah. a lot worse. Yeah. So is there any, do you see any signs of, you know, maybe trying to improve in those areas? Definitely. Or really... I definitely think, I think people are, uh, I think a medical community is much more aware of the potential and they really are on high alert and just sort of, you know, 
I think they just really take everything very seriously in terms of infectious diseases and really try to make contingency plans and plans like to methodically, um, you know, figure out who gets affected and trace them and then look at their sick contacts and be a lot more methodical about that. The best countries like South Korea um, and Japan immediately locked down the people where they were sick. Immediately, right? yeah, immediately took them out of the general population and then kept track of who they had contact with and went after those people and tested them. So they were very aggressive with testing. And I think we'll need to do the same. I will say that it is it, the really neat thing is the way the healthcare nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists have come together as a community and really they haven't th- you know thought twice. People will say to me, hey, aren't you nervous? You're going to have corona. I don't think about it anymore. I, that's my job. I'm here to take care of people, and I just need to do what I need to do. And it's so grat- gratifying to have other health professionals. Just They're there to take care of people. They're there to help people. There's some risk, but they, that's their job, and they're going to do their job well. So that's been really a neat thing to see our community uh, come together for that common purpose. Like, uh, you know, c- common threats like that are never good, but when there's a when there's a threat that everybody can kind of agree that it's bad, and like nobody's nobody's arguing, most people aren't arguing that the coronavirus is a good thing. So I think we can all get together and like kind of forget our differences and just focus right. on doing what we can to keep each other like physically safe right. and just making sure nobody dies for stupid reasons, you know, because I wanted to go to Walmart and I didn't sneeze on the apples and I didn't right. want right. to, you know, stuff like that. So I think, I think a lot of times with the big events like that sometimes it is good for morale and getting together and fighting that i think yeah i like that i agree something there's some i mean it's hard to find something positive but i guess if i were really searching that would be the kind of positive thread that that people coming together for that purpose of really helping each other looking out for each other checking on your next door neighbor who's like you know 80 and making sure that he has food and making sure that you know he know if he needs help or he needs to get groceries you're able to do that for him in a safe way you know that's really neat to see that and having the public support you know the healthcare community really been neat i think we've gotten tons of little cards from kids from grade school and they're painting rocks and stuff and you see them as you're walking in like you know thanks for what you do and stuff like that so that's been really neat because it really sometimes is a big morale boost it sometimes can be very sad to be in this environment yeah, for kids especially you know you're you're going to school in the playground one minute yeah, and then the next minute you're inside and you're watching concerts on the tv right it's just weird especially when you're like four or five you don't really know what's going on it's a little it's very little i mean strange. It's, it's affected you know multiple groups i know the seniors college nobody's yeah, graduating no problem, no problem no problem nobody's graduating um i just our, we had a medical school graduation that was virtual uh, i actually felt i think i felt worse for the medical students than they did, but I just thought that was so sad because you're missing all these special yeah. events that you, you can't walk on do the again. stage, you go, you say hi to your family, you eat some some yeah. nice snacks, you know, the, the fruit dipped in chocolate on the you know the little and little snack stands exactly, yeah. and you, you celebrate, celebrate graduating with people, and you can see their faces, right? And you can you know pat them on the back and say nice job, right? Things like that. Right. Those are the special moments that I think it's not the same on Zoom, long. is it? No, it isn't. But I, I think there's so there's kind of many levels of the loss that people have. Yeah, and obviously that's not the same as someone dying. But you know what? It's still a loss. So I think we just have to step back and appreciate that we're, we all have things that really are very difficult. And you know, I think we're just trying to get through. And if we come together as a community, I think it makes it a little easier to do that. And just so we're all aware, my mother here has worked, what is it, 13-hour days, five <laughs> days 
five, yeah. six days a week. I'm on, I think I'm on day number eight of 21, I think. 21 hours a day? No, 21 days in a row. Oh, 21 <laughs> days in a row of, of 13 hour shifts, just battling the coronavirus with, with hazmat suit on. Yes. So you have to think, <laughs> these doctors, this is, this is your time to shine almost. And you guys have been, you guys have been brutalized by this virus, but I think it just shows how strong, you know, doctors are. I think it shows well, I would you say guys want to heal. That's, that's, that's really what it's all about. I think most of us doctors, nurses, you know, physical therapy, anybody, we're, we're here to help. We're here to serve. It is an incredible privilege to be able to take care of people. Um, and this is really, it's been very hard, but I can't think of a, a place that I'm more needed and I'm more proud to be in right now. Oh yeah. I'm proud. I'm proud of my mother. But any, so as we wrap this up, do you have any last I don't know, sentiments about the coronavirus, anything that we should all remember, maybe five years down the line when we're all long past, or hopefully knock on wood, long past the coronavirus. Yeah. Any, I don't know, any, any takeaways from it? I mean, just take a step back. You know, it is hard. We'll get through this together. Try to do the right thing. You know, try to take the precaution you need to do. Be patient. I know it's so hard. I'm not patient at all, but be patient. Things will get better gradually, but don't, don't, don't make any foolish decisions that can affect your health and the health of those you love or those you don't even know. So just, if you're tempted, just take a deep breath and say, okay, but do I really need to go, you know, go to Walmart? Do I really need to go, <laughs> go to that restaurant? Do I really need to do things that really, you know, are going to put people necessarily their lives in danger so just take a step and have a little perspective and we're in together and lean on people lean on your friends lean on your family lean on you know your mental health people need to reach out people even through if it's through zoom a phone call a chat a text a letter you know lean on people and still you know try to really get that connection we all need to connect with other people and even, even if when it's we're not, not live like, yeah, yeah exactly exactly absolutely because like i mean you know when you go to the bathroom you take a pee it's very simple to wash your hands. It's hard for me sometimes. Sometimes I really, really don't want to wash my hands. Even when I'm just going to the bathroom regular, it's just hard to motivate myself to wash them. But I think it's good to just get the soap. Once you got, you, you know, you, the soap's already in your hand, you start washing, and then you're good. I'm so proud of you. And yeah, you sing happy birthday twice, and you kind of get lost in the song. And that's, I think we should do more of that. And I also think, as you were saying, use this time as a good opportunity to connect with people. You know, it's not, it won't be the same, but... You can, t you know, remind people how much you care, you know, because it's everyone's feeling a little isolated at the moment. And then I think even when the coronavirus is over, right, when everyone's back together, it's still people still feel that way. You should still take those, I, you know, those things that you did during the corona season and just kind of, you know, and keep them going. Exactly. I think appreciate what you have. Appreciate your friends, your family, your health. Uh, appreciate the world. Appreciate a, a sunny day. I think just take yes. attitude of gratitude. Just take a step back and say, you know what, I'm healthy today feel good i'm gonna be very thankful for the day yep sweet thank all right you. thank you my dear love you hey this is dan finity from the dan band you're listening to wmwm 91.7 in salem coffee time has been a family owned and operated bakery since 1978 they offer scratch made pies and scones and now through thanksgiving apple cider donuts and pumpkin cheesecake grab a fresh cup of coffee or real hot chocolate milk to go with your favorite treat Coffee Time, setting the standard for homemade baked goods right here in Salem. Coffee Time, 96 Bridge Street, Route 1A in Salem.
I hope you guys find that piece informative. I definitely learned a couple things myself. It's always nice to hear something from a doctor, especially now. Our next piece is super interesting. This is from Dylan Snyder, who's a senior at Salem State in Media and Communications. He's the host of a show that runs from 7 to 8 a.m. on Tuesdays at 91.7. And his piece is essentially just giving his two cents on how this whole pandemic has really highlighted social class inequalities. Without further ado, I'll leave it to Dylan for the insights. One thing that has really irked me about the whole corona pandemic are celebrities. It makes me mentally cringe when they say, we're all in this together, or the other phrase, alone together. No, we're not all in this together. Celebrities, they can afford to take several months off from work, while many of us can't. It's easy for them to say, stay home, when they live in a mansion, and if they want a movie theater, they can have it. They want a gym, they can have it. And they probably have more bathrooms than I have rooms in my house. I was already aware of this, but this pandemic has just highlighted it even more. And America is not about all lives matter, black lives matter, blue lives matter. The lives that really matter in America, rich lives. Rich lives matter. Here's an example of this. My dad works with the elderly, and one of his clients is a lady that lives in the Jack Satter house. And according to their website, 23 residents have corona, while 11 have died from it. But my dad couldn't get a test. They basically said, screw off unless you have symptoms. He should have got a test immediately, because not only did he go into a place that has 23 people that have coronavirus, he works with the elderly who are at most risk when it comes to the coronavirus. But so the closest thing he got to a test was his doctor saying that he would have had symptoms by now if he did have corona. But still, that's not a test. He can't get a test though, but Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump, whatever you want to identify him as, he could get he could get a test immediately. And the same goes for these NBA players. I am very certain that all of these NBA players have gotten tested for the coronavirus, but someone like my dad who just makes over minimum wage can't get a test for the coronavirus while these multi-millionaires can easily get a test. And I don't don't want to hear the excuses from Donald Trump or whoever saying about, oh, the amount of tests we have is low, but the amount of tests is not low if you're rich. If my dad was, let's say, of NBA legend from the 80s, they'd be like, yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Snyder. We'll give you a coronavirus test right away, sir. But since he's a guy that's getting paid just over minimum wages, nah, screw you, man. You're not getting a, you're not getting a test, even though you went into a building that has 23 cases of coronavirus. And there's this Kanye West line from his song, Roses. This was 15 years ago, and he was talking about Magic Johnson with AIDS, but this also can apply to this coronavirus pandemic. This is what he says in his song, Roses. If Magic Johnson got a cure for AIDS and all the broke bleep 
passed away. You telling me if my grandma's in the NBA right now, she'd be okay? So it's pointless to argue about, oh, whose lives matter. 15 years ago, when Kanye released that song. And this line is still really relevant in today's climate. As instead of it being AIDS, it's coronavirus instead. So just remember, the real slogan in America is Rich Lives Matter. Salem State University Radio. They must pay us millions to stop broadcasting. WMWM Salem, 91.7 FM and WMWMonline.com. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back. One day he called me out of the blue. And it's comforting to know that I always encountered him to have my back. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared. It gave me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call. Your presence. Your words. Your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net. Our last and final piece for today's episode is from Jaleesa Molina. She is also a senior in media and communications here at SSU. This is a piece I personally found beautiful. It's a spoken word piece. Here's Jaleesa. The following is a spoken word poem written by me, Jaleesa Molina, to express the feelings that we've all felt during COVID-19, this terrible pandemic in 2020. You will hear a series of voices, which are some of my friends who I asked to help express all of these emotions. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to thank Cassandra Rosales, Lily Tavares, Andy Begin, Carmen Rivera, Mary Sapp, and Ryan Gordon. Thank you to everyone who participated in this. It meant a lot to me and you represent the voice of the people. Silence. It has never sounded so loud. Pandemic. A feverish sickness that took its toll on our communities. Unlike anything we've seen in our generation. Fear. Takes over and controls your whole body. Anxiety. It's not knowing what tomorrow will bring and really hoping that it'll be better than today. Emotions running wild, even to the darkest of places. Normalities. When things that once seemed normal can't be done without a mask. Shut down. Asking yourself, when will this all be over? So you can go back to work, school, life protests people going against others for their own selfish gain thank you to the healthcare professionals and all of the essential workers who stayed strong when things felt impossible COVID-19 knowing that life will never be the same that the world will never be the same
Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. It's definitely weird, strange, and unprecedented times that we're living in right now. I hope listening to some of the pieces that you guys heard today could inform or even incite some of the feelings that you guys have been going through as of late. Once again, all I can really say is please stay safe, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.